0: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Milwaukee, start your engines.
1: It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Zocchi. Yeah, welcome back to the final inspection show. Steve Zotke and joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. It is a lot to I think our listeners will remember and know who he is. It's of course Bert Levy, the author of his famous uh, book, uh, The Last Open Road. And of course you can see him at Road America Hello? up at the new paddock. It is Bert Levy. Welcome to the show, Bert.
0: Hey, how you doing? Hang on. I'm doing second. fantastic. I have no problem with the sound I there we go. Go ahead. All right. And
1: uh, Bert's joining us. And uh, there's a, you know, Tom Stoller, a friend of ours and a friend of the show, uh, classiccars.com, wrote this really cool article about you as a stunt driver in the Blues Brothers. Now, Bert, I've known you for 20-plus years, whether it's the Harry at the Harry Miller meet or through David Hobbs or Road America, you name it. And this is one part of your career I did not know about. And kind of walk us through uh, how this actually came about uh, with with you working as a Sun driver.
0: Well, I think, first of all, um, I guess where this all starts, uh, I've been racing cars and writing about it for, well, too many years. Uh, I actually started writing about it as a way to get my hobby for free. And people would give me cars to drive, and I started writing for a couple of magazines and then wrote a couple of books. And before that all started, I had started racing, and it was starting to dawn on me that I really couldn't afford it. I'm sure that that never occurred to anybody else. And an opportunity came my way. Uh, The movie The Blues Brothers came to Chicago, and part of the deal that Mayor Byrne offered them uh, they gave them some property really cheap uh, to stage from. And they sold them 200 uh, Chicago and State Police police cars. Uh, my understanding was at 200 bucks a throw. And that included the Mars Light bars and the paint jobs and everything, which, of course, mm-hmm. were worth more than the $200 right there. Yeah, sure. But they didn't want to pay stunt money uh, for union or guild stunt drivers to drive all those cars. Uh, There were only a couple of guys in the front that did the real, what they call the gags, and the rest they needed some competent drivers that didn't have to be union stunt guys to follow along in line and slide the cars around a little bit. And somehow it got to a guy I used to work for at Lober Motors, which is a big downtown dealership that had Mercedes and Rolls-Royce and, Alfa Romeo and Volkswagen word got to him that they were looking for drivers and he called me up and he said you've been racing for a while do you have any ideas I said sure um, at, le- at the very least the instructors like myself that not only race but teach other racers we might be a good place to start <clears throat> so we got a a call to go to a tryout uh, and I went with a good friend of mine who I'd co-driven with a bunch of times he actually worked for us when we had our shop, uh, Mike Zajec, and they brought us out to the Dixie Square Mall, which was completely derelict by then. It was in what had turned into a pretty terrible neighborhood, and it essentially, the neighborhood couldn't sustain a bunch of retail, you know, stores, clothing stores, and bookstores and whatever, and so they bought the whole thing. Uh, for not much money at all. And we go out there and it's kind of dilapidated and the the parking areas are all kind of cracked concrete with grass growing up between the cracks, a lot like Sebring actually. And um, they had a couple of these old cop cars and there were a couple of stunt guys. Um, The guy I happened to draw to be my, it was like going to a driver's test to be my, My, uh, not instructor, my my test guy, was kind of second-in-command on the stunt crew. And I knew who he was because he used to race motocross, I think internationally, for sure, in the United States very effectively. Uh, He was known as J.N. Roberts. Uh, Some of your listeners may remember him. And the overall stunt coordinator was Bud Eakins, who was not only a famous stunt coordinator but also a motorcycle desert racer and he passed away a couple of years ago, and he had a wonderful collection of old motorcycles that were put up for sale. But at any rate, back to the test. I don't know J.N. He doesn't know me. I'm just another guy there. You get in the car, and he, says, he looks completely bored. He's sitting there with a newspaper on his lap. Okay, I want you to do what I tell you to do, when I tell you to do it. Don't do anything until I tell you to do it. Accelerate as hard as you can that way. And he points toward the far end of the lot. And so you take off with your foot planted. And now these are pretty old, used-up cop cars. Um, they've still got the, you know, the big cop car motor and the big brakes and um, the heavy-duty tires and everything. But they've been beat to, you know, what around the streets of Chicago for, God knows how many hundred thousand miles. And so the the suspensions are um, wobbly. The shocks are pretty much gone on at least one or two corners, and the steering isn't great anymore because they've hit stuff. And you're heading toward the far end of the lot. And you're getting up to like 55, 60, 65, and you can feel the wheels shaking in your hand. And the, the stunt corner is just sitting there. And now you're getting up 75, 80, 85, and the car is doing the booga-woga. And meanwhile, the tree line. At the far side of the parking lot is starting to move in your direction. If you wait until he tells you to go for the brakes to slow down, you're in. That's the whole test. If you don't wait for him to ask you to slow down to go and you go for the brakes, you're out. So I was in, and so was Mike, and uh, we were going to be paid the uh, munificent sum of thirty-eight dollars and fifty cents a day. Uh, which is why I couldn't continue with my Hollywood career, because uh, I couldn't eat on it. And I had another job at the time. But I did it for, I think, three or four days, and it was interesting. Um, do you want to ask another question? Do you want to take me in a different direction? Uh,
1: well, I was talking with Burt Levy and the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, of Course author of The Last Open Road and many other uh, books. In a series. And, I, yeah, you know, the other thing I wanted to talk about is, of course, they had a racing connection, is the camera car. Tell us about the camera car. That was that from was another my favorite famous thing. movie.
0: Most of being a Hollywood extra is sitting on your butt. And when you get tired of sitting on your butt, you get to sit on your butt some more. And you wait and wait and wait for the director and his crew to get a shot ready to shoot. And then it's like a fire drill. Uh, and you've got. Uh, everybody to your cars, and you follow the cars, and you go down through Lower Wacker Drive or wherever you have to be shooting that day, and um, you shoot for maybe it's three minutes, maybe, and then you go sit on your butt some more. But the camera car was fascinating. There's a guy who's he's passed away now, but he's famous in racing. Circle's name is Max Belkowski. He and his wife, Ina, ran a shop in the Hollywood area, uh, took care of a lot of cars for film people, including Haskell Wexler, the famous cinematographer. He built Haskell a car. And he was famous in road racing circles for building a series of specials called the Old Yellers. And they were really something in uh, 1950. Seven or eight, the first one debuted, which is actually built out of another special called the Lion Cage. And it was a really, by the time Max got done with it, it was a really clever car. He had torsion bar front suspension that he'd stolen off a Morris Minor. He picked a, a 401 Buick engine, which was a very, you know, everybody was going with Chevys at that point. But the Buick was the biggest. I think at the time at 401 cubic inches, and they used to call it the nail head because the valves were so small. But the good thing about it is that because the ports and valves were small, if you put the right cam and induction on it, it had great mid-range torque. And the junkyards were full of them. It was a cheap motor to run. So Max built this thing called the Old Yeller, and the Mark II, which currently owned and campaigned by a friend of mine named Ernie Nagamatsu out on the West coast. It's been at Monterey. It's been road America. It's been everywhere in 1961 or 62. Carol Shelby was driving it. A lot of great people drove it. Uh, Carol drove it. uh, Bob Bondurant, Dan Gurney, all these famous, famous guys, uh, drove this car. And, uh, that beeping is my wife. I think she wants me to let her in. Um, these famous guys drove it. They rode America. Carol Shelby was leading overall, ahead of all the Maserati bird cages and Ferrari Rosas and all the other famous, famous cars were running up there. And uh, he would have won the race, but the transmission broke. So this same guy, Max Belkowski, who built these, and he was, what a character. I remember meeting him out at a race in California. And his cars were famous for looking a little, a little patty when he brought them to the track. And he said, oh, I love it. First thing I do before I go to a racetrack is I throw a bunch of crap on the car, make it look even worse. Because that way, when we beat the Ferraris, it feels even sweeter. So Max built a car for the movie Bullet. It was going to be the camera car for Bullet. And they called it the bullet car. He basically took a 427 Corvette. And as you can do with Corvettes, he just unbolted the body and interior, took it right off. So now he's got the running gear and the frame. And he attached what essentially was a dune buggy body to it. And then mounted camera mounts at various different places around the car. And that's the car that shot all those great action scenes in bullet and also all the ones that look like in-car video that were from the Blues Brothers. And one of the things they wanted to do is there's a sequence on Lake Street. And on Lake Street, that's underneath the L tracks. There are these concrete pylons every so many feet. And they wanted the camera to slalom in and out of them. And the poor cameraman, he's sitting on the front of this thing like a cow catcher. I mean, his butt is three inches off the ground. He's got his feet out and stirrups on either side sticking straight out. And the camera is essentially mounted where right in front of the family jewels. And he's looking through uh, the eyepiece of the camera while the stunt driver is trying to slalom to these concrete posts. And they finally came to the conclusion that the, the posts were a little bit too close together to do it. They tried it and tried it and couldn't make it work. But the, the camera car, the bullet car, was I think one of the most interesting things. Uh, I think the other thing there was a stunt stunt men, and I'm talking about the real guys, the union guys. They get paid kind of on degree of difficulty, you know, how how dangerous and and uh, complicated is the gag that they have to do, and they're paid accordingly. And the director, there's one scene which is in the movie where, and it happens at the Daily Center, one of the cop cars, I think it's the state police car, spins to a halt. And then another cop car uh, gets launched off a ramp that you can't see. It's behind the, the car that spun to a halt and takes the whole top right off the car. And now normally what you would do is you would have the guy you'd have a driver spin the car to a halt, cut, move the camera to a different position, get the poor guy out of the car, and then have the other car take the top off. But for some reason, it still eludes me, John Landis had it in his head that uh, he wanted it all in one shot. And that meant that somebody had to still be in the car when the other car came and took the top off. Well, I heard about this stunt, and I was really curious about it, so I went to the they had they had bought an old, old, basically rat-infested factory on the near west side of Chicago in what's now an extremely trendy neighborhood. And that's where they set up all the cars for the stunts. And what they'd done, they'd taken a, a like a saber saw or a band, what do they call it? A, um, and they had cut through the A, B, and C pillars so that there was just like an eighth of an inch of metal left on each one. And then they took all the glass out and put sugar glass in. And they equipped it with what they call a rocker seat where the guy in the car can pull a lever and the seat essentially flops down so that the seat back is on the floorboard. And it'd be just as if a, a rocking chair fell over and you're laying on your back. So what this poor guy has got to do is spin the car to a halt, Grab the lever while the other car that's going to take the top off is already in motion. Grab the lever, flop back down, and then the other car is going to go and take the top of the car he's in off right over his head. I mean, right in front of his face, basically. And none of the experienced uh, stunt drivers wanted to do it. Uh, They just felt that there was too much that could possibly go wrong. And there's always one, you know, young guy that's trying to make a name for himself that he'll do anything. And he said, I'll do it. And he did it. And it it came off. But, boy, your heart was in your throat watching it happen because you knew that guy was under it, you know, in the car, watching the undercarriage of the other car go right across in front of his face.
1: Amazing stuff Bert uh, and of course this is all uh, in uh, in Tom Stoller's article Tales of a Stunt Driver in the Blues Brothers which can be found on uh, classiccars.com make sure you check it out a really good story there's a lot more information in there we don't want to give it all away but it's well uh, worthy uh, definitely to take a look at it and real really neat story and of course it's one of my favorite movies of all time and uh, Bert are we going to see What's you up at Road America in a couple weeks?
0: Yes, I was actually there last weekend uh, for the rescheduled vintage car race, Uh, signed some books and some audio books. We did pretty good there. I actually was happy that there wasn't a huge crowd there because, you know, uh, no matter what your politics or position is on coronavirus, the fact is that we don't have a handle on it everywhere and there's still no vaccine. So I'm kind of waiting to see if there's any fallout. But as of now, I'm scheduled to be signing books with David Hobbs. Uh, he'll have his book at the Road America Paddock shop and maybe also one evening at Siebkin's during the IndyCar weekend. Of course, I'll be back for And I'm trying to talk my way into one of the old Indy cars that they're going to have on display. Uh, I've gotten to drive a couple of those at the Milwaukee Mile and really enjoy them and uh, You know, Elkhart's my home track, and some of these guys have never been to Elkhart or know which way it goes, and uh, it'd be fun if I can get in one. And uh, we'll be back for the vintage in July when I'll be judging in the concourse, signing books and hopefully driving a little bit, and uh, then we'll be back again for IMSA. But all of this is going to depend on you know, what's happening in Wisconsin, Illinois, everywhere else in the country. We've got to keep an eye on this thing.
1: You bet. All right, well, Bert, uh, we certainly appreciate you taking time out and uh, looking forward to seeing you in a couple weeks up at Road America.
0: I'll be there, and thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
1: That was uh, Bert Levy. Of course, uh, make sure to check out Tales of a Stunt Driver in the Blues Brothers. Really interesting story about Bert and his time as a stunt driver for the iconic iconic Blues Brothers movies, of course, with with, uh, John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd. It was released 40 years ago uh, last weekend, I think it was. And uh, make sure you check it out at ClassicCars.com and uh, some neat stuff. We'll also post that on the Facebook page. page for you also so it'll be easy for you to find. Coming up next, we're going to play uh, Three Questions with Larry Janicek coming up next on The Final Inspection Show. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Steve Zaki, and uh, make sure you get out the Great Lakes Dragway, the legendary Great Lakes Dragway this weekend, of course, where there are legendary drags happening out there this weekend. Joining me on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is Larry Janasek. Welcome to the show, Larry.
2: Thank you, Steve. Hope you're having a
1: good day. day. We are. It's even going to get better uh, this afternoon when we see some live racing. Looking forward to that. Um, So Wilmot. you, You betcha. So, okay, great. Uh, what do you have for me today? Well, Steve, last week we talked about there
2: being six uh, combinations of uh, fathers and sons in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Uh, this week, there are three sets of brothers in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Can you name them?
1: Three sets of brothers? Yes. Uh, let's see. I'll, give you
2: a I'll give you a hint. Okay, okay.
1: One set... Are drivers. The
2: other two are not.
1: Well, I'm thinking, is it Terry and Bobby Labonte?
2: That's the set that are drivers. And now there's two other sets of brothers, but they're not drivers. But they're not
1: drivers. That that makes it more. Um, hmm. Not drivers. Is Dale, is Dale Inman one of them?
2: Nope. He
1: doesn't have a brother. He has a oh, cousin. Oh, right. they're in-laws. What am I thinking of? Yeah, that'd be an in-law, brother-in-law. Um, You're close with that though. Richard Petty and Richard Petty.
2: Richard Petty and
1: his oh,
2: brother Maurice. 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 Okay. Are one set, and the other two are. Uh, Probably the two most famous brother mechanic owners in all of NASCAR.
1: Oh, the Wood Brothers.
2: Wood Brothers, exactly. Oh, Leonard Glenn and Glenn. Leonard and yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah. yep.
2: Okay, are you ready for some, another, one? another one? Sure. Okay, this is a fill-in-the-blank. Of the winning drivers in the last 13 Indy 500s, only two of them have
1: been blank. Fathers. <laughs> no, it has
2: something to do with nationality.
1: Oh, American?
2: Exactly, yeah.
1: Only two have been American?
2: Two out of the last uh wind drivers in the in the last thirteen Indy five hundreds. Who were they?
1: Oh, it would be Ryan Hunter Ray and uh Rossi.
2: Yeah, and the other and the others that won Indy 500s Sato, in those in uh, and those 13 years were Elio, Scott yeah, Dixon, well, Tony Canon, uh Sato, Will Power and Pagano, all non-Americans.
1: Huh. It was looking good there for a while with Hornish yeah. and uh right and, right. and, and, and Buddy Rice and Huh. And Weldon was English, but he was kind of American in his own way. So, yeah. uh, huh Interesting. I didn't, yeah, that, boy. That, that, see, that's why I have you on the show. It makes you think and scratch your head. Well, you got time for another? Yeah, I got time for a couple.
2: Okay. Uh, eight former winners are entered in the 2020 Indy 500. Only one of them has multiple wins. Who is he?
1: That'd be Elio, right?
2: Yeah exactly. exactly.
1: Yeah. And the other L-E-A. the
2: other former winners that are entered are uh Dixon, Kanan, Ryan Hunter Ree, Rossi, Sato, Willpower, and Paginal.
1: Yeah, it should be interesting. Uh, so what's your opinion on the uh, the fifty percent uh uh for for, for fan attendance Well,
2: it's better than 25, like uh, is happening in a lot of uh, races, uh, a lot of short track races. The thing that I find that's going to be interesting is how are they going to determine who's going to get the tickets and who isn't? Because there's got to be a, a tremendous number of people that have been getting tickets to that race for, God, going on 40, 50 years enough that, uh, that they maybe uh, might have to
1: leave some of those out of the pecking order. Well, and let's be honest, at least, I would say at least 20% would be, I would consider high risk. So you take, oh, yeah, hope those absolutely. people, if not 25, so I would take those and, and push those aside. I would hope that they would show enough, uh, yeah. you know, fortitude to say, you know, maybe I'm going to sit this one out. Uh, the other thing is, I wonder if they'll ask for volunteers. Hey, if you turn in, if you if you decline your ticket this year, we'll give you twenty five percent off next year, fifty percent off, whatever amount it is, and we'll throw in a Brickyard four hundred ticket. How's that for next yeah. year? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well,
2: I did see think- I did see one, one article, and it, w- it said that they were going to contact the people and see what their plans were, these ticket holders, and and what I think they were getting at there is. There's probably a fair number of them that aren't going to come in August that would normally come in May because of the tradition and everything.
1: Yeah, I'm. That that they they may may say no,
2: we're not we we're not coming. uh, Use our money for next year's tickets or something.
1: I mean, if you think of it, if you have 15% because of travel plans cannot make it, 15% who are maybe high risk. And don't want to don't want to go anyways. That's thirty percent. So now you're only looking at about twenty percent that you need to negotiate with or make some type of deal with, right? And that could even be lower than lower than that. Yep. I mean, it's still a sizable yep. amount of people. We're talking, uh, you know, you're take you're you're basically talking about two groups of 175,000 people. You know, the 175 right. that are that are gonna go and then how many of those people that are going to say they're going to go and then resell their tickets that remains to be seen mm-hmm. but i oh, don't yeah. think well, it's still a sizable amount of people whether it's 20 30 40 50,000 people that's still a lot of people you have to negotiate with but if you're going to you know say hey we'll give you a, a break for next year give you some type of discount and with and of course i mean it's a no brainer throwing some Brickyard 400 tickets throwing mm-hmm. you know something whatever in the grand prix tickets too i mean to for them to do that i i think it's you know and let's not forget it's roger penske who's running this thing it's, it's interesting right. On social media you know i see a lot of social media posts and it's funny everybody you can tell there's a new sheriff in town in that because if somebody has a di- if somebody maybe has a, a discussion a disagreement or some type of idea especially with so many things happening You know, they're like, we need to contact Roger Penske on this. You know, he's the go. You you know, everybody's like, yeah, we need to contact. Because he's been literally, I mean, he's had meetings with some fans. He's had meetings with some media people, uh, sit down, you know, lunches and whatnot. He's been very, very accessible even through this COVID-19 pandemic. And it's, it's funny, people are like, yeah, we need a contact, you know, ask them about this. Maybe we should do this. Whereas you never, you know, the previous 20 years of Tony George in, in, in charge, you never had that type of interaction. It was just like, ah, oh, screw it. They're screwing it up, blah, <laughs> blah, blah. You know, and now, now there's like, okay, well, let's, I don't really like this, but maybe we can fix it type thing. So I think it's a, it's a better, because. I think a lot of people, you know, IndyCar, if you ever see a chat room for an IndyCar, I mean, they, 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 they eat their own. It, it, it's awful. I mean, it's it's the most negative fan base you can find on social media, uh, how they treat each other on, on social media, whether it goes back to the Cart IRL thing or, or whatever, but it's just so, so, so negative. And I think there's a positivity with these changes that are happening that, well, I don't really like it, but maybe we can, you know, maybe Penske will do something. Maybe we'll talk to Penske. Maybe I'll shoot him an email or whatever. And, maybe, you know, if he doesn't answer, I'm sure one of his uh, underlings will. But, I mean, there's been a lot of things. I don't know if you saw this, uh, Larry, but there's been a lot of changes already that were done at the Speedway. Whether it's, uh, which me and <laughs> my friend Dave Scoggin are were always bitching about last year which was the mud in the media center parking lot <laughs> across from the pagoda that's now all paved and, and cemented now. It looks really nice, but they've, uh, for fan areas, they've cemented them and put out, uh, like, um, uh, picnic tables with umbrellas and that. I mean, they made some really, really nice improvements, and even small things, detail things. And this is why I think it's real important that, you know, somebody like Roger took over to Speedway, is... Like the the gasoline uh bathrooms and gasoline alley, those have all been repainted, new fixtures put in for the um for the uh, sinks and that and all cleaned up and, and everything's been redone in there. So I mean just little Extra. little little detail things that you know, yeah, you know, somebody like yeah. Roger, he notices that kind of stuff.
2: Extra lanes on Georgetown Road, I think, or something. Yeah,
1: I mean a whole bunch of the he's been Negotiating with the uh, w- w- with the town of Speedway to do some changes and that, so I think there's a kind of an a, a excitement. Uh, even though considering, and I think I said this a couple of weeks ago on the show. I mean, who better to be able to negotiate this pandemic between the IndyCar Series and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway than Roger Penske and his crew? You know, I right just, exactly. I you know, you got some good leadership there and the, the difference between good leadership and, and not, we've, we've certainly see that in the world of motorsports, uh, especially in the last week or so. So uh, you got one more question for me, Larry?
2: Yep. 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 Uh, of all the Wisconsin born drivers who've complete, uh competed in the Indy 500, what driver has the highest finish again, Of all the Wisconsin-born drivers who've completed in the Indy 500, what driver has the highest finish?
1: Well, that's a good one. I think it might be Carl Marchese in 1927 with a fourth-place finish. Am I right?
2: Uh,
1: No. No. Somebody higher than fourth? Oh, you know who it is? No. Is it Steve Knapp? There was two... Two key words in there,
2: Wisconsin-born.
1: Oh, and that's why Kansas has the most Indy 500 winning drivers, right? Because seven of them were born in Kansas, like Rick Mears and Roger Warden. Mm -hmm. And Johnny Rutherford, even though they don't consider themselves, I don't know, Kansans? Is that what you call them? Oh, Wisconsin-born. Because uh, yep. some people might not know that Poncho Carter is actually Wisconsin born. He was born in Kenosha.
2: Yep, he's one of two that finished uh, third.
1: Okay. There's and one other person. He finished third yep. in 82. Steve Knapp finished third in 98 or 99. Um, uh, there's an, an
2: interest. Uh, he's not the one because I looked him up. This was hard researching. Steve Knapp was actually born in Minneapolis.
1: Oh, really? Yep. Okay, yep. interesting. Uh, oh, you're not going to. No, know Danica. Danica yep. was, she was guy born in board. Beloit. Oh. And she yep. had a it third, was, right? Uh, Danica and, and
2: Pancho Carter were both finished third. Myron Four finished fourth in 49. And Danica also finished fourth one year. In two thousand five, yeah. yeah. and then uh, the guy finished fifth. Eddie O'Donnell from Whitewater, and he finished oh, fifth yeah. in nineteen fifteen.
1: Good, Yeah, very. Yeah, I think yeah. Case or somebody. I, I think he drove for Case at one time, but the old GI Case out of Racine or Kenosha. Yeah, yeah. Well, that is really good stuff, Larry. I appreciate it. Who who would have known that Eddie O'Donnell would have came up in the show today? Yeah. Or Carl easy yeah. or Steve Knapp, for that matter. <laughs> Quickly, do
2: you know what Eddie O'Donnell was also famous for?
1: Uh, well, he could do this thing with his knuckle um, and finger. No, I, I don't, no. no I it, don't know. it involved oh.
2: racing. It involved oh, okay. the place that you talked about about three or four weeks ago when I asked you about places you'd like to have seen races at. The oh, board the Beverly track. Beverly Hills
1: Board Track. He was, was he yep. killed at Beverly Hills?
2: Yeah, in the same wreck with uh, Gaston Chevrolet.
1: Chevrolet. Okay. Interesting stuff. All well, righty, man. Good. That's good stuff as usual, Larry. Uh, we're going to take a week off uh, next week with you, but uh, we look forward to chatting with you maybe the following weekend up at Road America. We'll see what happens. Okay, great. Have a great time at Wilmot. All right, you too. Take care, Larry. That was Larry Janicek on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Has your passion outgrown your home? A Great Midwest Bank home renovation loan may give you the space it deserves. Visit greatmidwestbank.com today. Simply local lending since 1935. When we come back, we'll talk with Guy Hobbs from downtown Elkhart Lake coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. If you're going to be spending more time at home, you might as well become better friends with your smart speaker. Alexa, make me a sandwich.
0: Okay, you're a sandwich.
1: Smartass. Just say, Alexa, play 105.7 FM,
0: The Fan. 105.7 FM, The Fan from Radio.com. Buying a car can make some people nervous. It's different out there. That's why David Hobbs Honda created the Car Buyer's Bill of Rights. Shopping at David Hobbs is fun, worry-free, because when you're here... You're entitled to some exclusive benefits you won't find anywhere else. You have the right to a fear-free
1: car buying experience, to a free limited warranty, to the most money for your trade, and a fair and easy credit approval process. I like that. Yes, we can do that. We are David Hobbs Honda. See what else we can do for you at DavidHobbs.com. Gear up for all your favorite teams and sports with Radio.com. The biggest sports stations in America talk about the NFL, MLB, NHL, and NBA. Get updates on when games will start and how your team stacks up. Find Jim Rome, Tiki and Tierney, and more of the top personalities in sports on CBS Sports Radio. And you'll love Radio.com sports originals. Like Mike's on with Francesa, Swings and Misses. And You Better You Bet. With the best bets on the biggest matchups every weekday. Gear up with all the shows and podcasts on Radio.com or the Radio.com app.
0: Concordia University, Wisconsin, is dedicated to working with our veteran students to ensure affordable tuition and a great educational experience. Concordia is a proud participant in the Yellow Ribbon Program and recognized as a military-friendly university. Concordia has numerous options to help veterans use their military benefits, apply for scholarships, career advising, student tutoring, student counseling, and navigate higher education. Learn more today at cuw.edu slash veterans. That's cuw.edu slash veterans. Has this ever happened to you after you've been divorced? Jim, I just want to let you know that the kids and I will be moving to New York so I can get a better job. What do the kids think about it? They're super excited. They've always wanted to live in a bigger city. I tell you what, how about if they spend a couple months each summer with you? Well, I guess if that makes them happy. So I'll call the lawyers so we can make this official.
1: No
3: need to
0: do that.
1: Don't you trust me? Let's fast forward to the following summer. I know I told you that
0: you could have them for a couple of months, but they really had their hearts set on doing stuff in New York, so I'll let you have them for a week. Are you kidding me? That wasn't the agreement. I knew I should have went to see my lawyers with this before I agreed to this deal with you.
1: You see, it's not about trust. It's about doing things the right way and making sure to get any agreement in writing. You don't want to regret it later when it's too late. Don't settle working with a law firm that takes a one-size-fits-all approach to all your unique cases. The law offices of Thomas Marola will treat you like an individual. To set up your consultation, please call 414-327-5800. That's 414-327-5800. Or go to MarolaLaw.com. Milwaukee's favorite basketball team gets back to the hardwood at the
0: end of July, the fan's basketball coverage is presented by Lamensky's Pub, a neighborhood pub at 89th and Greenfield in West Alice, with delicious food and
1: excellent drink specials. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Steve Zotke joining you. And uh, it's brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Make sure you check out Great Lakes Dragway for their throwback drags happening this weekend. See all the best in the old gassers, slingshots, you name it. It'll be out there. And then all all nitrous lineup at 9 o'clock tonight. That's at the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. From downtown Elkhart Lake, it is Guy Hobbs. Welcome to the show, sir.
3: Well, uh, thank you for having me on. And let me correct you, not downtown, uptown Elkhart Lake. Upt- <laughs> we, we, have a, we now have an uptown, a downtown, and a midtown.
1: And, uh, of course, this weekend at uh, Road America, we got the Super Bikes in fact, it looks like uh, race one of the superbikes is occurring now. And we chatted earlier today, and you said uh, an unusual amount of uh, motorcycles in Elkhart Lake today because of the the bikes racing up at Elkhart or er, Road America this weekend.
3: And it would appear to me that uh, most people, are, are, I think, are making like a day of it because this morning at about seven o'clock there was just a ton of motorbikes coming into town. It's a beautiful day for racing as Jackie Stewart would say and they have in fact completed race number one of the superbikes uh, under beautiful uh, conditions and it looked like a, a pretty, I know there's a quite a good crowd in town and it looked like quite a good crowd out at the track and of course they've, they've um, lightened up some of the rules about distancing and some of the food stands were not open but now they are all open So I think a good day at the races, particularly if your name is Cameron Beaubier and he won heat number or race number one of the weekend.
1: That's interesting. Good stuff. Um, And of course, the next weekend, uh, the Indy Indy cars return to schedule for the Indy Grand Prix at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway on the road course. And then the following weekend... They'll be up at Road America, and I know all the fans here in Wisconsin are looking forward to that. And uh, for those that are attending the race, there's actually a little shindig uh, for them to do uh, Saturday night at Seepkins, isn't there?
3: (laughs) When you say little shindig, (laughs) I mean a a, a big shindig at Seepkins on Saturday night. I will in fact be hosting uh, a, a gathering which will also be on Zoom and uh, various other outlets. And I will have some guests. It will take place uh, in person in the driveway of Seaclinds Resort. Uh, but we'll have guests and everything. And our special guest is going to be Jimmy Vassa. will be there. And we will be taking questions uh, and telling stories. All true, of course. Uh, and... I believe you can get um, like a $10 drink ticket, which gets you more than $10 worth of drinks or something, and there will be food there, and various surprise guests. We believe we, we may be as surprised as everybody else is that they have in fact shown up, but we, we do believe we're going to have some celebrities there, bigger, bigger celebrities than Jimmy Vassar, at least.
1: As, as someone who has uh, been a part of uh, a few of these in the past, yes, you always uh, uh, schedule about 10 people and hoping that five of them show up. So.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Race weekends for race car drivers, you know, you know, let's face it, race car drivers can be flighty themselves a little bit when it comes to com- committing to uh, outings like this. But on a race weekend, sometimes that's even harder. And let's be honest, if uh, if the sponsor's having a party that that's paying all the bills or it's just uh, Stephen Guy Hobbs at Siebkins, they're going to go to that sponsor party. But we understand that. But I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It should be a lot of... Uh, Interesting people there, of course, with Jimmy Vassar headlining the event, and of course there'll be others that'll be there. We're working on some really cool guests, and uh, with uh, you as the MC, should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it.
3: Uh, I, I certainly am looking forward to it. Yes, and as you say, we we're working on some other guests, and of course the other problem is the whole thing is determined by what takes place at the track that afternoon. Mm-hmm. And it, you end up having to do an engine change or something. Obviously, the drivers sort of stick around for that as opposed to coming on the Guy and Jimmy show
1: yeah,
3: right. for free. And let's, and
1: let's remember, it's a doubleheader up there. So not only is there a race on Sunday, but there's also a race on Saturday. So uh, double your excitement up at Road America in two weeks. Looking forward to that. And, uh, of course, a lot of things. And it's just going to feel so good to actually be out and see some of the old friends again, isn't it, Guy?
3: it is and i've i have spoken to him uh, in fact i was talking to james redmond son of brian redmond and he will be uh, coming up for the brian redmond international challenge later on in the year which he never normally does himself but this year he's decided he's coming he's had enough of this social distancing and lockdown in florida so he will be up here for that and uh, i think generally people are just ready to get out and uh, it certainly helps with Road America and having a big event like the IndyCar weekend, and we, I am expecting a fairly large crowd.
1: That should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. And, of course, we will post updates as we get them on the uh, the Final Inspection Facebook page and also tweet those out and on Instagram, too, now, too. So we'll get you updated on all that. So stay tuned for that. Looking forward to that. And uh, we look forward to seeing you, Guy, in a couple of weeks up at Road America and at downtown Elkhart Lake at Seapkins. Thanks for joining the show, Guy.
3: And, Steve, I just, I just want to throw in there for you another event has been scheduled for Road America for those interested. The Elkhart Lake fireworks will now take place at Road America. And supposedly, it's going to be Sheboygan County's biggest ever firework display. And that will be on July 4th. And it's $20 for a vehicle. As many people as you want in the vehicle. And that takes place on the 4th at Road America.
1: That sounds like a lot of fun. Looking forward to that. Guy, thank you for joining the show. And when we come back... uh... Mayor Mitch and I will close out the show. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Steve Zagliot along with Mayor Mitch working the board today. I'd like to thank every, everybody who came on the show, of course. Uh, the Polish Pipe Bomb, Jeff Orlowski as always. Uh, Dennis Michelson from T-Mike Media. Uh, of course, we have uh, Chase McDermott, Defending Badger Midget Champion, was on the show. Along with uh, and the neat stories from uh, from Bert Levy, author B- Bert Levy, who you can see up at Road America in a couple of weeks, and his story as a stunt driver for the legendary Blues Brothers movie uh, 40th anniversary, which uh, was uh, last week, and then also uh, Guy Hobbs and Larry Janusik. So I appreciate everybody for their contributions, making this a fun show. Next week will be a little bit of a different show because it's the Fourth of July weekend. Uh, hopefully, I'll be able to give you give you guys some live reports from the Indy Grand Prix down at Indianapolis uh, and a portion of it will be pre-recorded. So uh, thank everybody for listening and uh, Mayor Mitch, we got baseball coming back, huh? Yeah, barely. barely. Right. I mean, mean, we got it, but not how we would probably want. Um, But But it's back. back. It'll be interesting to see. And of course, uh, lots of, lots of baseball content on sports radio, one Oh five FM, the fan. So looking forward to, uh, Tim Allen and all the guys uh, talking baseball once again on the fan. And, uh, I'll, you know, as ever, tune in for all the latest for the pregame and postgame Brewers show. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a wild kind of, I guess, month of July with everything coming back at once. You're going to have to start off hot. No uh, no slumps because if you slump at the beginning of the year, you could be out of it before you know it. Right, yeah, exactly. exactly. So I'd like to thank everybody for joining the show and uh, make sure you tune in next week. Uh, and uh, reporting live from the Indianapolis Grand Prix. Looking forward to it. So, Steve Zaki, thank you. We'll see you next week.
0: Here my door in cars. Here this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy,